Welcome to the Nonchalant Christianity Podcast. As you know, we are all about bringing believers from apathy into understanding and living out sound doctrine. My name is Jean-André Ferry, and I will be your host for this episode. Today we will be looking at repentance. You might hear that word many times, and yet may not know the importance and power of the word repentance. We might ask some questions like, what is repentance? And why do I have to repent? And therefore we'll look at both the Hebrew and the Greek definitions of the word repentance. And we'll note that it is a change of mind about sin. About that which placed Jesus Christ on the cross. And eventually that will lead to a change of mind and a change in action. Therefore knowing why we have to repent is very, very important And it will show us that we can turn to God after repentance, after coming to this knowledge of needing salvation and and, and being sinners and eventually becoming those new creations in Christ Jesus. Remember, apathy or nonchalance, like our podcast, Nonchalant Christianity, is an apathetic attitude or a disinterested attitude or casual attitude to the things of Christ, to the things of Christianity. So to recap, in our last episode we covered the gospel and I shared a bit of my testimony and what the Lord has done in my life and praise God for that and I hope we can all maybe somewhere along the line say, well this is the moment where it actually changed for me. This is where I really understood the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the gospel is the foundation of the redemption of man. It is there in this message that Christ reveals himself to man in the person of Jesus. That the, that the eternal God came to this earth to redeem man from his sins. To, to go to the cross and to show man that they needed salvation through his sacrifice. That there is no shedding of blood or rather no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. In John 16, chapter 8, we read that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on this earth as Jesus was promising so that He would convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So before you and I come to understand the Gospel, the Lord is working via His Spirit in different means and ways to draw you to understand the Gospel. It's a witness to us, whether it be through conscience whether it be through creation, whether it be through Christians in our environment, or whether it be through a simple witness of someone saying, Do you know Jesus? And pretty much everyone knows that name. That's enough witness in itself to see us guilty before the courtroom of God in the future. So the gospel, remember, is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So in simplicity... There is no one righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that God demonstrates His own love towards us, in that whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. Right, so the first question we're going to look at is, what is repentance? What is repentance? Well, the Greek wording And the Hebrew wording is as follows. Hebrew is the word nacham. Nacham, if you 
are looking for more of an explorative Bible study, a more in-depth Bible study, you can go to a website called blueletterbible.org and there you'll find all the words in Hebrew and Greek that are in the Bible, in the scriptures, that you can see what they mean. You can sort of try and understand the text deeper. I would encourage that for anyone wanting to go deeper into Bible study. And the Cham is to be sorry, it is to repent, it is to regret, it is to comfort or be comforted. Right. So you can see there's a few different renderings. For our context today, it is to be sorry, it is to re- regret and it is to repent. Right, so it's to rue the decisions that we make. By implication, it means to be sorry. In other words, in a favorable sense, to pity, console, or reflexively rue. Right, so that's what repentance means in Hebrew. It's the word nacham. Then you've got the word metanoia. Metanoia, I'm sure many Christians that do or in a good Bible-believing church, a Bible-based, doctrinally-centered church, will know the word metanoia, or repentance. And it means a change of mind, as it appears to one who repents, of a purpose he has formed, or something he has done. Especially the change of mind of those who have begun to abhor their errors and misdeeds, and have determined to enter upon a better course of life. Right, so now we're not talking obviously about my best life now and how I can better my life. Christ does that for the Christian. Christ does that for the non-believer when he brings him to salvation. Christ has done everything. But what we must determine here is that we have misdeeds and errors that are completely against a holy God. A holy God does not joy and take pleasure in these things. He hates sin. He turns his face on sin. Right, so what happens is then on repentance, we then embrace both a recognition of sin and sorrow, and then with a hearty amendment, we then understand what repentance means. So it's a recognition of sin and sorrow. That is what repentance is, and what repentance then essentially means is that we understand sin. Firstly, as always, we understand the gospel. Right, a holy God gave this earth, this world, this universe, salvation, so that He could come and save man from their sinful state, and so that they can be reconciled to God. It's the, it's the greatest message ever preached. It's the greatest love message, if you ask me, ever given. And a message of love and forgiveness and, and, and reconciliation with the Holy God. But there's obviously consequences. right? Remember, if God is holy, if God is righteous, if God is just, which He duly is, then... He has to look at sin and say, this is what has brought, taken people away from me. And this is what brought Jesus Christ himself to the cross. To, to stand there nailed to the cross. To have God turn his face away from him. And, say, and, and Jesus even saying, Father, why have you forsaken me? That is what's so important. We must understand that it's not just that Jesus went to the cross um, f- for fun. You know, with all reverence to our Lord, He went to the cross because He laid His life down willingly as predetermined by the Father that this would happen. That before the foundations of the world, Christ would go to the cross for you and I. And that is an absolute blessing. So why repent? Why repent? Well, it's to realize that we are sinners and that we come to the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness and that we change our minds and hearts and actions about the sins 
that placed Jesus Christ on the cross. So whether that be um, blasphemy, theft, idolatry, uh, materialism, um, there's many, many things that the Bible talks about. Ido- uh, backbiting, um, adultery, right, whisperings, pornography. Christ obviously went to the cross for us to be forgiven of those things. So that's why we must repent. We must repent because God is holy. He's a, he's a judge. And on judgment day, if you have not repented and come with a heart of sorrow, of grief towards what, what we've, how we've grieved Him, then repentance and then forgiveness doesn't mean anything. Right, so let's go look at some scriptures. I'm going to look at two main scriptures today. I just want to show us why repentance is important. So 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 to 9. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, which is a letter, in both of which I stir your, your poor, pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. Right, so if you're listening to this, are oh, you maybe a scoffer in saying, well, the Lord is always saying He's coming and yeah, Christianity and Jesus and the second coming, but where is he? You know, that's the Bible predicted that you would think that. So knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, right? That's with non-repentant hearts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget. That by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water, right? That's with Noah and the flood. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse 8 and 9, really important. But beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord... One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, right? That's of Jesus' coming, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So can we see it's a necessity, and it's in the long-suffering and the love of God that He hasn't sent Jesus Christ for His second coming yet because He's waiting for people to repent, to turn from their wicked deeds, to accept the gospel, to know that they are sinners and in need of a Savior and to turn from their wicked ways to God. So that's really, really important. A change of heart, remember, will eventually lead, it does lead, it must lead to a change of mind and action. So as an example, when you understand the gospel, and you're now not sure what to do, what we do is we come to the Lord with our, with our hearts and our hands and our eyes open and our ears open and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner who has transgressed your law. I have sinned against you in innumerable circumstances. And Lord, I pray for your forgiveness today. I ask for your forgiveness and that Christ himself forgives me because of what he's done on the cross and he comes to indwell me with his spirit and he gives me a new life. And then you ask, Lord, please give me that new life, that new way, that new creation. Look what the Corinthian church did. Remember the Corinthian church were believers. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, you'll see something really, really important. Even though they believed in God, they were falling away, I believe, 
Some people have different views to this, that I believe they were taking Christianity for granted, taking Christ for granted, and they were doing things not fitting of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 8 For even if I made you sorry with my letter, right, this is what Paul wrote the previous letter to the Corinthians, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. Why? For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Right, so the first epistle had conviction, the first letter had conviction, but they were only sorry for a while. Now I rejoice, Paul says in verse 9, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. What was it about? It was about changing their minds on schisms in the church. Uh, taking one another to court, for example. Um, not eating the, the, the Lord's Supper in, a, in an honorable manner. Not taking communion in an honorable manner. They were, they were messing around. They were drunk at the communion table. Right? Then they had people committing adultery. So Paul says, great, I'm so happy that that sorrow led you to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance. So godly sorrow, godly sorrow produces a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of um, action which leads to salvation. Never or not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Right. So you can be sorry in a worldly sense for the things that you've done. But if you're not sorry against God, as David says in Psalm 51, King David, he says, Sorry, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. Right? When he committed adultery with Bathsheba, he went to God first and said, You are the one that saves. You are the Lord I serve. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm repenting of that sin. Worldly sorrow doesn't lead to that, right? Worldly sorrow will still lead you to death. But coming before the living God and asking Him for forgiveness brings life. Verse 11, For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong. Right, This guy in 1 Corinthians 5 that committed adultery with his father's wife, which is probably his stepmom. Nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. So Paul is saying that we cared for them and he wanted to drive them to repentance, to come back in life to God, to, to ask for forgiveness through Christ Jesus our Lord, because what it does is it creates godly sorrow. And when we realize what sin is, we'll realize that apathy does not gel with sin. It does not work together. It cannot be in the same boat together. Right, You either have repented and you, you're pushing forward with the Holy Spirit living within you and you're going on to that new creation or you've fallen back and are probably living in the same sin again. So it produces diligence. This is what repentance produces. Diligence. A clearing of yourselves. In other words, a clearing of the old man and then putting on of the new man. It creates indignation. It creates fear. Right, A fear of God is healthy. There are blessings that come when we fear God. That's really, really important. The church today would, would probably not che uh, teach on the fear of God. Right? Vehement desire creates a different desire in you. It creates zeal and vindication. So those two scriptures are what I wanted to look at. So how do we turn to God? As I said earlier, you come with an open heart. You come with open eyes. You hear 
what the Lord is saying to you today. Remember that apathetic Christianity probably comes from the fact that we think that we were born into a Christian home and that we were saved when we were youngsters. And, you know, at those stages we must, we must understand and just reason. Just understand what I'm trying to bring across is that we, when we're young, do things that we don't think is sin, but God sees those things as sin. Right? So whatever it may be, you, you have, even if your parents were missionaries, I would strongly suggest that you still come before the living God on your knees and ask Him to, take, to change your life and to save you. So that's how we turn to God. With a, with, we turn to Him with the gospel that Christ died for our sins and understanding that and with a willing heart to be saved. And lastly, what does repentance look like? Right? It has to look like something because if we were to change our minds and understand what sin is and understand why Jesus Christ went to the cross and why His blood was a pleasing sacrifice to God, then surely there has to be some sort of change. So repentance looks like change. The person that has come to repentance, true repentance, heartfelt sorrow, grief, he, he knows that he has transgressed the Holy God and um, he, he wants to seek to know more. His eyes are opening, his heart's opening, he can hear the things of the Lord now. He will have a changed heart, a changed mind, a changed nature. The things that he was a part of, he would not want to be a part of those. He or she would want to be who Christ promises the person who they would be in the scriptures. Right, so past repentance is, I would say, at initial repentance when we come before the Lord God. We come before Him and we ask Him to forgive us. And Jesus Christ comes to indwell with, through His Spirit the, the believer and He is forgiven. His sins, His or her sins are forgiven then. Right, every sin that you've committed would have been forgiven. Present repentance is when we do fall into sin or do sinful acts knowingly or unknowingly come before the living Lord the living God and ask Him to forgive us and remember it's not just oh Lord I'm sorry but then yet still continue in that sentence I'm sorry I want to change that lifestyle or I want to change always getting angry or being short tempered or um, having foul language come out of my mouth whatever the case may be um, there is a change there has to be a change and then future what I believe and what the Bible says is what, what future repentance looks like is glorification. It's coming either through death or through the rapture. It's coming before the Lord God and, and finally being glorified in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. And that is salvation. Salvation works as follows. Jesus Christ as the Word came to this earth. He came to die for the sins of the world. He came to die for the sins of each and every person that lived on this earth. And that through repentance we come, we understand that we have transgressed this holy God. And that through the gospel message, this beautiful saving message that Christ has um, died for our sins according to the scriptures. Through that message we repent, we have faith that God will heal our hearts. And we will feel and know that change. You will be different from what you previously knew, knew. In other words, a light bulb will come on. A light bulb will come on in your head to know that the things of God are true. Because as if you're either through apathy have forgotten about the things of God or were never truly converted, you will not understand the things of God. You might even read the scriptures and nothing happens. You don't doesn't make any sense. Whereas when you read the scriptures with the Spirit of God in you, He will testify to you that those things are true because He's the one that authored those scriptures.
And lastly, you will see that salvation is of the Lord. It's of God. He is the one that saves. He is the one that forgives. He is the one that makes and declares the person righteous before God. And He is the one that wants to work a good work in us until the day of redemption. So may you be blessed as we've just covered repentance. May it make sense. May it really grip our hearts and apprehend our hearts to know the truth of the gospel. But with Christ on that cross, with Christ's death, burial and resurrection, there's a need for repentance because he, is, he has come to make the old person new. The old creature, He wants to make a new creation in God. We're a creation, a new creation from God in Colossians chapter 3. So may the Lord bless you until we meet again.